0: Hi everyone. I'm Lee Savaliksik, and this is the Artsbound podcast where I speak with professionals from across the performing arts industries to capture bits of wisdom, insight and inspiration for students and young professionals exploring careers in music, theater and dance. Today I'm speaking with Emily Wirtz. Emily is a singer who sings classical as well as musical theater. She's an educator who was adjunct professor of music at Lycoming College in Williamsport, and who is currently the director of the Williamsport Youth Choir. And Emily is also a health and fitness coach with Beachbody. I'm going to do something a little different with today's show that I don't normally do, and that's to unpack a little bit of the content discussed later with Emily here up front. If you've listened to other episodes or read the ArtsBound blog, you'll know that we talk about calling a good bit as a part of what we do with ArtsBound. And when a lot of people hear the word calling, it's easy to conjure up this idea that your calling is one job, one profession, one type of work that you were born to do. And you either find it early in life or you find it later in life. Or some people miss their calling, and um, but if you find it, you've you've got it, and that's what you do forever and always. And I think that that's a bit of a misconception. And what our calling actually is is a, a voice that we hear. It's a sense that we have. It's a uh, one of my other podcasts. Walt Straton, calls it a tug. It's this, this feeling that we are meant to go in a certain direction. And we have that always. We're always hearing it. We're always sensing it. We can resist it or ignore it, or we can answer that call and go in the direction that we feel we're being led. It's not necessarily uh, a single environment or a single job Our calling could lead us to many different jobs, many different environments, but it's always a function of being in tune with our intuition, of listening to what our heart is telling us, and paying attention to the coincidences and the signs of what happens in our life that leads us in a given direction. 2020 is a year of transition and a year of redefinition. It's a critical time for listening to that inner voice. And I think that you will hear the spirit of that as both Emily and I share bits of our journeys in this episode. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Emily Wirtz. Hi, Emily. Hey, Lee. How's it going?
1: It's good. Thanks for having me.
0: Good. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'm psyched about this. So uh, just to give listeners like a little bit of context um, about uh, how we know each other, we lived in the same city uh, in Williamsport and worked together um, in the context of Lycoming College and the Williamsport Youth Choir, where you were a professor and a conductor, respectively, and um, I played piano for some of your voice students. Um, I got some vocal coaching from you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which was, uh, which was fantastic. And, um, and yeah, and so we did a, a handful of different projects together. And uh, so I gave a, like a little intro about what you do in um, the opening for the show. But why don't you start by telling people like what, what makes up your, your professional pie, um, mm-hmm. so to speak, and um, and maybe also could you talk a little bit about your training? Um, sure. Because uh, that's kind of specific uh, to some of the work that you do. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I like that professional pie. That's <laughs> there are a lot of different ingredients to it, um, yeah. And that is so. I would consider myself, I don't put myself in one category of, am I a teacher, am I a performer, um, am I a conductor, am I a teacher, so I, one of my big loves is, I definitely am a teacher, and but I have loved choral music, and so I have, as um, you mentioned, the Williamsport Youth Choir, and working with communities, um, kids in the community, uh, mainly grades five and up, um, but in choral music. And then, but I'm also a voice teacher and we'll, you know, talk a little bit more about this when I talk about my training. Um, and at, all levels I have taught. So teaching at Lycoming College and working with college students for the last nine years, um, but also have pretty consistently over the last probably 15 years had a private voice studio. Um, I don't right now, but that's for obvious reasons (laughs) Um, because there is a pandemic and also because we have just recently moved. Um, But so teaching voice conducting, teaching choir, and on top of that, then also as a solo performer, um, have done a lot of singing myself and have lived both in a classical and musical theater realm, um, have a love for um, both teaching and performing um, in both within both genres. So as far as my training is concerned, uh, my undergraduate degree is in music education, and <clears throat> I received that from Penn State back in... 2005 and then went right into teaching, um, public school. I was a seventh through 12th grade, um, general and choral music. And I did the drama program and things like that. Um, and then, but I really, I always had a love for performing and that was a really big part of who I was. So I went back to Penn State, um, And got my master's degree in vocal performance and pedagogy. And so not only learning about um, just how to be a better performer, but also how to teach singing, because I'd had a pedagogy course in undergrad, um, but really you know, one class. There's a whole lot that goes into singing. So um, to to learn in, in greater detail and greater depth how to be a better performer and how to be a great um, teacher of singing. And so, and then I stayed on actually for an extra year for a performance certificate. Um, I kind of felt like my own... Singing was not, there were still some things that needed to be, um, some some challenges vocally that I was having that I wanted to deal with and also just wanted to continue growing in that realm. And I was kind of in a place of not knowing what was next. Um, so it was kind of a natural a natural thing to just continue that um, training for another year. Um, so that's been the, the bulk of all of my training professionally um, as far as like a degree has happened at Penn State um, over a fairly long period of time.
0: Very cool. So um, I actually didn't know about the the performance certificate. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things that... So I I remember, I think, like learning that you were coming to Williamsport. And what's interesting Mm -hmm. um, is that I had a good friend... Who moved out of town right as you were moving mm-hmm. in town? She mm-hmm. also graduated from the master's program of performance, yeah. uh, performance and pedagogy, uh, the, the vocal program. Um, she was teaching at like homing, and there was almost kind of this like Sasha, Sasha, like moved away from Williamsport, and Emily moved in, and you yeah. had a really similar skill set, and you ended up taking the position at like homing that she had, and um, mm-hmm. and it was just interesting. Uh, like I just know that that program at Penn state is really, really thorough. So like knowing that someone who was coming from that program, like really was, uh, knew a lot about the voice and had a significant background as a pedagogue. Um, how, uh, how important do you feel like having that credential was for you in terms of like coming in and establishing yourself as a teacher?
1: Um, the credential of having that, that degree kind of,
0: Yeah.
1: it's a good question. Um, I think it was really helpful that a lot of people teach without that pedagogy aspect of the degree. And there are many great teachers who do, mm. but I think that carries, you know, if, especially when you're talking about teaching on the college level, I feel like to, to know that this person spent time like really digging into not just the performance aspect, but the science and the the uh, teaching techniques behind that. I'd, I don't know how helpful that was as far as like getting me to that job. Um, but I would imagine like for me, now that I have taught there for the last nine years, if somebody was coming in, I would be thrilled if I saw that this person had had a um, you know some ex- some extensive training and actually learning the science of how the voice works um and I'll, and kind of what goes into that so i do think i think that was probably helpful um because clearly i had invested my time and energy not only in learning about singing but learning about how to teach singing
0: yeah so as you mentioned you just relocated in the middle of a pandemic
1: yep um
0: <laughs> And, uh, the, the impetus for your move was, is your husband's job, right? (laughs) Um, so, uh, how are you approaching like as your own professional, how are you approaching establishing yourself in a new place? Um, like let's, I mean, pandemic aside, but even in the, in the context of the pandemic, what are you, what are you doing right now?
1: That's a really good question because I'm still kind of working through that. And, um, it, in some ways I'm seeing it as an opportunity to just kind of look at everything that I'm doing and decide what is the best use of my time and energy. And part of the reason I think that's an important part of who I am and what I do is that I also am a mom of three children. Yeah. Um, so I am, you know i am someone who had i not gotten married and i would never change it i love it i probably my life would look very different if i weren't um if i didn't have kids because i probably you know being someone who just has always loved performing that pro- i and people do it with a family but for me it um an important part has been having the freedom and to kind of have a mixture of things going on and also invest in my family. So right now a large part of it is getting my kids settled in, getting my family settled in. Um, I have made the decision. I've, been teaching at the college for nine years, and when we're looking at could I continue to teach there, um, yes, but it's an hour and 10 minutes away. Yeah, um, And so just factoring in as far as um, what is most healthy for me, for my family, and professionally, I've made the decision that it is time to move on. So that's one Um, so I sit here as you kind of alluded, like, okay, um, how am I, how am I figuring out what's next? Um, one of my plans is to, um, build up probably a small private studio, but now is not exactly the time. Um, some people are teaching on zoom and I did do some teaching on zoom for the college. Um, this past spring is some people are doing it and they're doing awesome. Um, for me, I think that's probably not my preference. Um, and so I'm, I'm going to choose to wait until um, I can begin to do that in person. But um, the, the blessing in this move is we're moving back to a community where I once lived and was established as a, primarily as a voice teacher and a, and a public school teacher. Um, but one thing that I would like to, to continue to do, well, just to finish that thought up. So mm-hmm. as far as networking... There is definitely work to be done, but it's going to be a lot easier for me than it would be if I was moving to a town where I didn't know anybody, Um, because I already know a lot of the public school teachers as far as building up a studio or things like that. Um, When it comes to... As a singer, I think one of the things that I will do, I have not yet done, is start to make connections with some of the conductors in the area um, within the kind of broader region um, of, you know, the symphony that is close by. Because I did a lot of singing with the Symphony of Williamsport, and I hope to continue that. Um, but now, you know, my I'm in a slightly different area. And so to start making connections... Um, and potentially going and singing for people. So there's a lot. I'm kind of in a place where it's still up in the air, and I'm allowing myself to have a little bit of a period. It's The pandemic has been a bit of a, a blessing in disguise in that sense, as it gives me a little bit of a cushion to kind of just take some time for myself and for my family to figure out what I actually really want to be doing and, and what will bring life to for all of us.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, and I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you know, I think us as parents, we can't help but bring up our kids when we're talking about like what our life and profession looks like. Right. Um, and, and you've been a parent for longer than I have, but, um, what, you know, one of the things when I'm working with a client is one of the things that we talk about is what about your desired lifestyle? Like, yes, let's talk about career. But also understand that, you know, the career doesn't happen in a vacuum, that there's a lot of other things that you want to think. when, Like when you're trying to have a vision for what your life looks like, mm-hmm. including all of those other aspects. And I, and I could have told you, uh, I remember writing an essay in undergrad when a professor asked us about, you know, wh- where we see ourselves this many years. And I knew that I wanted to be a father. And I knew mm-hmm. that that would be a, a piece of, of all of it. Um, what you're saying about the pandemic giving you the chance to, to just back up a little bit and say, you know, how do I expend the, the resources, my time, my, my energy, my attention in a way that's like really in alignment with who I am. Um, I'm recalling, I'm recalling a conversation that we had uh, I think before my family left Williamsport where you were maybe going through something similar And I remember you saying, like, I've learned that I really like conducting, and I really like I think one of the other things was like solo performing. Mm -hmm. And then there were some other things that you said, you know, I I do well at these things and I enjoy them well enough, but they aren't the things that really like light me on fire. Mm. And Mm -hmm. um and so I guess all of all of those things. Like considering all of those things, uh, how do you, how would you talk about like how you've gone about designing, like looking and pruning where you need to prune, but yeah. also like taking on new things that are exciting. Like we haven't talked about it yet, but you also do coaching through Beachbody, which is right. another <laughs> part of what you do professionally. It's it's yeah. not a musical thing, but it's still relevant Um, yep. to this conversation, I think.
1: Mm-hmm. So how do I kind of discern what how I use my time is that kind of what you're yeah, asking. Yeah. Yeah. Um so I feel like I am someone who is constantly for better or worse, constantly kind of working through this in my head. It's been a <laughs> it's been years and you've known me long enough. We've had this conversation many times. Yeah. Um a lot of it is well, I think, one, I need to give myself the freedom to have that those conversations and to recognize that we are not locked in. And that's something I was, I've told my students, like, you don't have to do the same thing your whole life. Like, that's kind of the beautiful thing. We have freedom. I mean, we need to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if we have people in our care, we need to take care of them. Right. Um, but I am um, naturally just kind of someone who's always kind of working through that. I'm always, I am someone who... Um, my faith is a very important part of who I am and what I, what I do. And I feel like God has put me in certain places and certain seasons, um, for, with very specific purposes. But, um, this word season is very important. Like, um, there are times to, there are times for certain things and, and not. So one, one of the things that I did um, in February, actually, speaking of Beachbody, I was invited to a leadership retreat in, out in Utah And I went all by myself. Um, Mm. And like, you know, as a mom of three kids, it was like, oh, I am on a plane by myself for hours. This is great. (laughs) And I love my children. But I sat there on the way home after doing a lot of talking and dreaming and visioning with other women. And this is a, it is an aspect of, of who I am and what I love to do, but it is not musical at all. Mm. Um, And so just figuring out where does this fit in and also being okay with the fact that, just because it's not musical and it's i don't have any like professional degree in it doesn't make it not valid like right. it's a valid part of who i am and so i sat there on the plane and i um made lists and i'm a i'm a list maker totally and i made a list of what brings me life what just kind of lights me up and makes me excited i made a list of like what drains me and then i made a list mm. of um like, what What do I kind of go back and forth on? And one of the ones that actually fell into the back and forth um, category, like sometimes I love it and sometimes I, I feel drained by it, is actually teaching voice, private voice. And I mm. think that's where I kind of honed in a little bit on as I looked to moving here and establishing a studio – I I have loved, you know, I've had so many, I've taught so many students now at this point and each has been a valuable learning experience for me, but I am a better teacher when I am teaching a student that, um, I really connect with and who is really interested in growing and also they don't have to be the most talented student, but I also, the potential,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, is, a, is a, an important part for me. I am not, I would not say I'm gifted at teaching beginners. Um, there are people I know who are awesome at that. I have done it. Um, and what I kind of came out of is like, actually, that's kind of draining to me. Sure. Um, and recognizing they'd probably be better off having somebody else as a teacher. Um, and so as I just think about um, working through like, okay, what how am I going to start fresh with a studio, and what types of students will I accept into my studio? It's not that some are lesser than others, but just recognizing, like, yes, being a teacher is about service. But I am a better teacher if I am teaching those that I feel um, my my gifts and skill sets and passion fits best with. I love working with a college student who is working towards a recital. Um, Versus kind of the beginner who wants to just learn how to sing better. Um, When it's when we have like we're working on a program and we have a big picture and a long term Mm -hmm. thing that just gets I get all excited um, about that. So list making, revisiting um, and continually kind of just um, at a loss for the word. It's not a hard word, Um, but just continually kind of coming back and and looking at what I'm doing, why I'm doing it. And that's been another thing is I think I've grown a lot in my my motivation for doing things and my identity and recognizing that my identity is not what I do. Mm. Um, and if I put my identity in what I accomplish and what I achieve, then that's just going to be a rat race all the time of trying to be the best. And that's exhausting. Um, so instead, really kind of You know, recognizing that my value is on a much deeper level than what I achieve and so that I'm not making my decisions for what I pursue based on what I think is going to make me valuable, if that makes sense.
0: That's huge. Yeah, that makes – and I actually – I got goosebumps as you were saying. it. It's just I think – the whole concept of identity, like I, I, I wrestled and struggled so much with identifying as a public school teacher. And mm-hmm. when yep. I felt like that work wasn't really in alignment with who I was anymore, it really took a lot out of me and really challenged um, my whole, like my sense of self uh, mm-hmm. at, at some level. Um, you know, not like maybe way down at the very core, but at some level it was really a a challenge for me. And so I am, I'm interested, I, I, you know, part of the work that I think we're talking about is, is confronting some of those notions, like those narratives that we have that maybe aren't serving us really well. And so I'm curious, like for me, I... I drew a sense of pride and a sense of of service was the word that you used out of out of being in that role, and so I felt like if I were to leave that role, that I would be disappointing others, that I would not be as like upstanding as a person uh, or like have the integrity because I you know was so kind of committed and bought into this profession. Um, do you? Have you, is that a a part of your thought process or are there other gremlins, thought gremlins that you have struggled with?
1: I think a big one for me was, and this is a big area of growth for me in the last few years, is feeling like teaching at the college level was like... uh, The thing. The thing, and I'm doing this and I have this title or whatever, um, and that... I can't not do that. Cause then I'm not going to be like, um, as somehow I felt like that gave me some validity. I don't know. Prestige. Um, yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And then just that realization of like, who cares? <laughs> like yeah. really when all is said and done in life, it matters less where I worked and, you know, what title I had, I am, um, if anybody is familiar with the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram three, which um, is kind of the achiever. And so that need to achieve and to impress and the motivation. And so that's an area where I've really kind of grown a lot is being okay with less doing and more being. I'm a work in progress. Um, Some days I really stink at that. Uh, But just really, starting to look at more, um, not it, that, that just drives you to this big old rat race and a lot of competition. And I think that's a challenge of being a performer and a musician. There's a lot of us who are, you know, there's a lot of perfectionism. There's a lot of comparison. There's a lot of, um, but it comes down to like, what's my motivation for doing all of this? Does it bring me life? And, You know, because if I'm doing the things that light me up and get me excited, everybody else who crosses my path is going to be better off because I'm doing those things. And that's where, like, doing the health and fitness coaching through Beachbody. Um, And then I also, like, I'm part of a a women's ministry equipping and empowering program called Empower. Um, Again, not related to music, but both of those things have, have made me recognize, I think, part of what I love about teaching is equipping and empowering people to really live into who they were created to be. Um, And that's what I love about teaching is when a student really like realizes what they're able to do, realizes what they're capable of. Um, And so (laughs) digging a little bit deeper than just what am I good at and what do people affirm me for? But, um, and I feel like this is a lifelong process. I'm 37 and still like, what do I want to do with my life? Like <laughs> it's, it, I think there's freedom if we allow it to be freeing of, I'm going to take this step now and do this thing and it will serve me and others for a season. And I may be here some people, you know, they, they teach and they, they're in the same job for many, many, many years, decades even. And that's where they need to be. Mm-hmm. And others, it's kind of more of, a, you know, a journey from one thing to another.
0: Yeah. I'm so glad that you've said that because I think that the people that are most visible to us in a lot of ways are the ones that, that you can look at them and point and say they were just born like they came out of the womb ready to be on stage, yeah. or you know they do this YouTube, you know they know how to market themselves. It's like totally second nature, um, and I know for me personally, um, I I used to look at people that like knew what they wanted, and um, and. Really struggled with with envy or feeling like you know some people like want just know what they want and and maybe I just will never have that and um will spend my whole life kind of like wandering and and never and then 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 there's a sense of regret that comes in that says like you know what if I what if I never figure out the thing that I was that I was born to do, um but I feel like the more that I'm learning, there are people. Who, this is their thing, and they mm-hmm. knew it from the from you know the time went. they were whenever, and yeah. and and here they go. Um, versus people that are a little bit more um, they there's a sense of wayfinding about what we do, and yeah. um, and in some ways we we have to constantly like you're saying kind of pair and say okay well this is this is draining. This is life giving. I think I'm getting I'm getting closer to what I you know
1: mm-hmm.
0: where I'm kind of channeled to be. But this is my journey. You know, my journey yeah. was not to figure it out at age eight that I was meant to do this. Um and, and embracing that without having a sense of comparison or
1: yeah. yeah. That's exactly it. it. Is is being okay with this is my journey. And that's like even as i'm sharing this you know whoever's listening it's like this is i always like it when people say descriptive not prescriptive mm-hmm. like my if you know if you love to sing and teach and perform and but you love great maybe it'll look like my journey probably not because right. you know we're all we're all different and um yeah there's just I think it's so easy to look at what someone else is doing and how quickly someone else is progressing and all of that stuff. And that's really dangerous.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, It's
1: normal, but it's dangerous. Yeah.
0: And it's interesting because, you know, the the work as a coach, you know, I truly believe that everyone has something at their core that's driving them to bring into the world Mm -hmm. something that only they can bring. And that could lead them to one job, but it could also lead them to many, many different jobs. Yep. And a lot of this process is kind of uh, like releasing, surrendering into that, as opposed to like yep. going out and like trying to force it. Um, but at the same, at the same time, like embracing that, like it might not be certain. Like the clarity that you gain might be the fact that you need to embrace uncertainty. Yeah, right. Right? (laughs) Um, Darn it. uh... (laughs) We'll get right back to my conversation with Emily. I just wanted to take a moment and express appreciation for her comment about comparison. It can be very natural when we are searching for our own calling to look at the lives of others and say, what are they doing? Uh, Do I like this? Do I not like this? And that is really natural to do. In fact, it's what this podcast is all about. The danger comes when we say, my life doesn't look like this other person's life. Something must be wrong with me. That type of comparison is actually a form of self-resistance of turning away from your calling, or closing your ears off to it. What can be helpful, or what I hope is helpful about this podcast or any other form of looking at someone else's work, informational interviews, etc., is after doing so, looking within and saying, asking yourself, how does what they are doing resonate with who I am as a person? Does it energize me? Does it excite me? Does it frighten me? Does it not really do very much at all? This is the process of listening to and responding to your calling. If you're interested in exploring what that means for you personally, learn more by visiting artsboundcareerdesign.com. Now back to my conversation with Emily. So I I mentioned being a coach. So through Beachbody, you Mm -hmm. also work as a coach. And so you're working with people on goals that they have for their health and fitness, which uh, at the risk of stating the obvious can be a really sensitive topic. And I'm just thinking that similar to this idea that people might have of, they have this one ideal career that they're meant to live. Um, As a society, we have this, Image of what health mm-hmm. looks like, and but at the same time, it, it, a person is as an individual with their own life and their own body that's unlike any yeah. other, any other person's body. And so, what is that like for you as a coach?
1: Well, it's interesting because I think completely different things. But you're but singing. And health and fitness are two areas that just bring out huge vulnerability in Mm. people. Um, And you're totally right. Like, we as a culture have this idea of what healthy looks like. Right. But that's often not actually always accurate. Yeah, right. Um, And that recognition that every... We were each created very differently um, and body types are different and all of that. And so just I think you come back to that idea of, like, we are our own worst enemy when we are looking to the left and to the right to what somebody else is doing and how fast somebody else progresses, Um And the numbers, you know, whether they're scores on a score sheet at a competition Mm -hmm. or the, um, you know, weight loss or whatever that somebody else is experiencing, um, that is always a challenge of, um, but also the, the, the need to be realistic, um, with what, what is fitting for me and what is fitting for my body and what I was, um, Created like how my voice might be more. Um, granted, I'm a big one for like, I think it's awesome. I love classical singing and musical theater singing, and they're yeah. different techniques, and being able to cross over and do both. But you don't want me to try to sing a rock ballad. Mm. Um, I mean, granted, there's some of that in musical theater singing too, sure. but you know. Yeah. Um, I kind of just lost my train of thought.
0: <laughs> Where was I going with that? Uh, uh, two but, different styles of singing. and
1: Yeah, just the idea that, like, yes, there's a versatility, but I think more importantly, like, just this idea of, like, I was kind of, I think, you know, m- made to do these types of things best. Right. And my, over in here, like, you know, what what I was, um, as I'm working with people in, in coaching, figuring out what really is realistic and healthy and right for you. Mm -hmm. Um, now granted in that vein, like we all need physical activity is a healthy thing. We were created for that. Um, you know, putting healthy foods and things that fuel and nourish our body, that's going to help us all. Um, so there are certain things that are the same, but I think just that recognition of like, we're each different. Um, but, but, um, the end result is going to look a little bit different for everyone. Did that answer
0: your question? <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. So, jumping back to jumping back to music and jumping back mm-hmm. to like uh, kind of what you do as a conductor and as a teacher. Um, if you, if there was someone listening, mm-hmm. that was like, what she does sounds really interesting to me. You know what? What should I do to get into conducting or what should I do to get into teaching as a private teacher
1: yeah um you had sent me some potential questions in advance and so the honestly the very first thing that popped into my head which is so for lack of a better phrase unsexy is (laughs) learn to play the piano Mm. and and well and that's I am really thankful uh I played violin for a few years as a kid and then um We moved and I stopped playing. And my mom got me into piano lessons and then I stopped. But then all I played was zippity doodah and chariots of fire every day, (laughs) all day long. And she was like, You need more piano lessons. (laughs) Um, And I feel like I just, whether you're teaching voice, whether you're one of the things that I feel strongly about as a voice teacher is training students. I always tell them I have a kind of threefold philosophy we're going to work on your vocal technique and being a healthy and good singer, but we're going to work on your musicianship Hmm. because to not be a good musician, to not be able to read music is a handicap. And then we're also going to work on your performance skills. Um, because I don't know why I say this, but I'm like, nobody wants to watch a piece of broccoli sing. A piece of broccoli doesn't do anything and you don't want to be a piece of broccoli. So, um, it's just a silly thing, but, um, so i always tell my youth choir that, but, those three things. Um, and I feel like as a choral conductor, I, I have watched, I should say this. I have watched peers and colleagues struggle because of their lack of piano skills. And I am so thankful that I have them. They're not fantastic, but I'm a really good faker. And that's yeah. what I always tell people. And it just allows me to, I can teach voice lessons very comfortable. I, I can f- fake a piano accompaniment pretty decently and sometimes play the real one for my students. Uh, if I need to, you know, playing warm ups for a choir, it's just never been a big issue. There's some practice that needs to go into it. Um, but, you know, right now in my choir, I've had the luxury of having a pianist, um, which is amazing. But in public school... Right. You don't... I had... My band director, thankfully, played, and he would come in for the concerts. But, like, you're playing all the parts. And so, anyway, that's a little soapbox there. But that is that is huge. Like, get some piano skills. Um, And I would also say... um, Be willing to get uncomfortable (laughs) and do things that... um, allow you to grow in areas where you don't feel like you're the best. Um, Because I think as musicians, it's really easy to stay in the comfort zone of what we're good at, kind of our wheelhouse. And so um, for me, um, most musicians, you know, are either really good at doing things by ear or really good at reading. Um, And I have always been a better at reading person. My ear was... My husband is someone who grew up in a family that they just kind of naturally broke into like harmony. And I was, when we first got married, I was like, Ooh, I, yeah. I mean, I'm a singer, <laughs> I have a music degree, but if you ask me to harmonize a cappella with something, that just like sent my anxiety through the roof. Hmm. And so in my 20s, being around that more, um, just realizing like, oh no, I can still learn, like, I can grow. Yep. Now I have a child who, whistles counter melodies to things. <laughs> and I'm like, you scap, I can't do that. He's eight. Um, but I think one of my is just, you know, if if you're better at doing things by ear, then start to get good at reading music. If you're good at reading music, then start to really um grow in the area of your of your ear um and just even if it, it makes me really uncomfortable and you have to be okay to to make mistakes, but um Yeah, I think, let me think, so piano skills, do things that make you uncomfortable, and don't be afraid to put yourself out there, um, you, you know, it's not necessarily about who you know, but it is about people need to know you exist. Right. I don't like the stereotype of, like, singers who don't read music well. Right. I'm all about break that stereotype and break the diva one, too. Yeah. Um.
0: uh, and it's great because it opens doors, too. Uh, you know, I, I know so many people who, like, make a really decent, like, side money gig because they can go to a church service where they pay choristers and yeah, yeah. show up and read. You know, there's there's a 30-minute rehearsal before the service, and they show yeah. up and they read everything and then perform in the service um, and, and they're making, you know, a hundred bucks on a Sunday. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. And, and at a young age too, right? Like college students, totally. That's how a lot of college students I think have made some money.
0: Well, any last, uh, final thoughts that you'd share with someone listening?
1: Yeah, I think, um, one of the, one of the thoughts that I had had is, you know, so often people, especially parents kind of question the validity of a music degree, um, and the performing arts. And I think, um, I love that you just brought up like the church gig thing, because I think oftentimes people see teaching as a fallback. Mm -hmm. Um, and that is bothersome and concerning to me as a teacher and as someone who has children. Um, yes, right. Because frankly, I think um I don't think it needs to be somebody's primary um you know love. But I also think that we we have to recognize the responsibility that teaching is. Um and I know you you believe that to be the case, um, but to to say, well, I'll teach just to make some money. Um I don't want my kid having a teacher who's just doing it to make some money. I want them, um, yeah, I mean everybody has a bad day. Like they may not want to be right. there. <laughs> we don't always want to be there in any job. But I also think um uh, but I love that you brought up the the church job thing because I do think there are all sorts of ways to make money um as a musician. And I'm a prime example. We can do things like I make a pretty decent income as a health and fitness coach. I have zero training in that um I mean other than like what I've learned over the years, yeah and, right, and doing that, but I think too, if we we can't limit ourselves and to um and say there aren't going to be, oppor- like, there's so many different opportunities. There's so many, and I know this is something that you've you've been interested in. It's just like, what are, there's so many different ways that you can be involved in music um, and pursue a career. And I think, now granted, we often need things like benefits and all that kind of stuff. But like, you know, teacher, choral conductor, singer, this, that, you can get little gigs here and there. And so I think recognizing that, but also stressing the importance of like, if you're going to teach, like learn how to teach well. Um, but I remember when I started teaching voice, I had no idea what I was doing. And thankfully, <laughs> I don't think I ruined anybody, but I had to start somewhere. So that's kind of that. Um, I, you know, I still remember who those that was right after my, I finished student teaching and I sent out all these flyers with the kids and I, the high school kids. And I taught a bunch of them, high school, and middle school kids. And that's also how you learn though so you've got to start and you've got to do and that was something that felt uncomfortable because I felt like I don't really know what I'm doing but um, if you're always kind of in a growth mindset and hanging out with people who know more than you do and learning from them um, I think that that is just going to serve you well Um, but I think just the encouragement to see teaching as um, a privilege, <laughs> yeah, and and an important thing to um, take seriously if you're going to do
0: it. Yeah, and um, yeah, that's awesome. That you know, that's kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is to just show. I I mentioned visibility before. I just think that in terms of the jobs that are out there for someone who wants to be around the performing arts, we see so little. Um, of of everything you know we see the performer we see the person on stage or on Spotify or on YouTube um, but we don't see everybody who's supporting that performance right. the people who are writing the music designing the costumes, the sets um, raising the money uh, d- you know doing the marketing all of these other pieces that if if you want to be around the performing arts if you want to do it but you don't, Like, I knew that, I felt it's, you know, when you bring up teaching, it's interesting because I kind of, like, learned about the responsibility of being a teacher kind of as I was going through school, um, through college, learning to be a teacher, and and really, like, really took that responsibility seriously, but didn't necessarily go into that program. It it was more like, I don't, I know that I don't want to be... A performer I knew that that like just doing performing wasn't the lifestyle that I was looking for um, and so what other options that I do I have and as I look at yeah. a list of majors in a college catalog it's music performance or music education period right. that's yeah. it and um, and so I'm like okay well I guess this I guess this is it if I want to go in the music
1: i'm not all that different actually because i didn't i don't think i came into this being like i want to change lives with music right but it was like well i love to sing and this see actually i probably went into it because it seemed safer than performance to be honest sure um and so similarly i think i kind of grew into the realization of you know the responsibility that it is
0: yeah and there's just there's something one thing that ca- keeps coming up with so many of the conversations that I've been having as a part of this podcast is like there is a spot in the arts for everyone, regardless yeah. of of like what your your actual performance giftedness is um, like you have you have skills and a gift and a niche that you can find um, like the, the industry is broad enough that you can find it.
1: Well, and I think that's an important point because I do run into a lot of singers who love to sing and they love musical theater and they just want to do it so bad. But the reality is it's a really, really competitive market to be a performer. And so not to be Debbie Downer, but like not everybody's going to get to do it. And if you're not, that's one of the things that I often say is like, okay, these are kind of, there's this, if you really want to go for it and and you're finding you're not getting in and not getting in and not getting in, maybe you should keep going. And and for some people, there's some great stories of people who persevered. Yep. But it might also just be a sign that, like, it's not that you're in the wrong area, but I there might just be something that's just, you know, within that field that you can continue to be a part of theater, but in a different way and it's still going to bring you life and you're going to have a great knowledge and a passion for it. But maybe that's, you know, I think being open to just the possibility of, of a variety of Mm -hmm.
0: options. I had Tess Marshall on the show and she, yeah. yeah, And, and she said um, that as she was going through school, that all of these people who were coming in as guest speakers and professors would, would all say, if there's anything else that would make yes. you happy, do it. Do
1: it. And she's <laughs> yes. like
0: that she she took so much offense to that at first, but she's one of those people that can say like unwaveringly like I was I was cut out to do this. I was really born to yeah. do this. And Having she, taught
1: her, I would probably agree with that statement.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um and and she, you know, she talked about all of the auditions that nope, nope, like doesn't even like Gets the door shut at 8 a.m. Yeah. after showing up at 4 a.m. on the, to yeah. wait out on the sidewalk and to learn that she's not even going to get in that day. Um, but, you know, but she's doing the thing. Um, but, like, made that point that, like, I, I don't think that I would be happy doing anything else. Other people have kind of said, you know, no, I actually find myself really happy doing this. And I'm not as cut out for the, you know... All of the rejection and da 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 and that's okay, right? There's no yep. shame or judgment oh, there. Yeah, totally. Yeah.
1: Cause you're gonna do that thing, other thing, way better than right. what I would do. You know, it's we're there is something for all, like you said.
0: Well thanks, Emily. This has been you're awesome.
1: Welcome. Yeah, loved it.
0: Well, I feel I would be remiss if I didn't mention that since I myself was looking at colleges, many university and college music programs have expanded to offer more than just two choices for a music major, which is good news. I want to thank Emily Wirtz again for taking the time to chat with us today. If you are a performing arts student or young professional, who is curious about how their personal calling might fit into the performing arts industries, or you're just seeking that niche where you fit in to the performing arts world, learn more about career design at artsboundcareerdesign.com. I'm Lee Sabaliksik. Thanks for listening.